Welcome to the Good News for Teens podcast. I'm Cameron Cole, and I am excited to remind you of the good news that because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you are loved apart from your performance. And, you know, I am going to be working through the book of Hosea. It's going to be about 14 different episodes uh, on this book that's in the Old Testament that you probably have never read and you probably never heard. And I'll tell you, it's a pretty difficult book to read um, if you don't have some background knowledge. But uh, I'll tell you, every word of the Bible is God's word, and every word uh, of the Bible is meant to give us life uh, and to give us peace and hope and joy in Christ. And so we're going to work through this challenging book, and it has lots and lots um, of relevant lessons for us about the Lord and about um, living in relationship with Christ. So before I get too far into Hosea, um, I want to give you a little bit of background. So first off, Hosea is in the Old Testament. So that means that it uh, comes before Christ. And um, Hosea is what we call a prophet. It's one of the minor prophets uh, in the Old Testament. There were 12 minor prophets. And so a couple of things to tell you about the situation around Hosea before we get into the things that are really practical for you. But you got to know a little bit about Hosea for, for any of this to make sense to you. Um, but first off, uh, prophets were God's representative, God's mediator in the relationship with Israel. Um, and here's what I mean by that. God made a covenant with his people, uh, Israel. He knew just like he's made a covenant um, with believers in Christ through, through Christ and the new covenant. And so you had priests and the priest represented the people. Uh, they, rep- they went before God and asked for mercy, and they advocated for the people. And the prophets represented God. So it's almost as if uh, in a lawsuit or in a court, um, a court hearing, you have the plaintiff, and, you, uh, and, and, and the plaintiff has an attorney, and then you have uh, a, the defense attorney representing the defense and so, you know, on one side you have the prophet who represents God, and the other side you have the priest who represents the people. And so um, the deal is, is that since there was this relationship um, that was established by a covenant, one thing to keep in mind is that that covenant was a relationship between God and the people. Um, and it, it still, um, the covenant still had some what you call contractual type aspects, kind of like an agreement or a contract. And... Um, you know, God always upheld his side of the bargain. God always upheld his side of the agreement. And his people, Israel, always failed. And that's kind of how we are as sinners. We're always failing to live up to our end of the bargain. And so what you see here is that prophets, um, they would first uh, represent God through judgment. They would represent God and say to the people, hey, Israel, you've sinned. You have not lived up uh, to your side of this relationship with God. And he would, the prophet would um, talk about the implications and the consequence of that. On the other side of that, there would always be a promise. Uh, there would be judgment and then there would be grace. And uh, not the, the prophet wouldn't just leave the people hanging uh, in their sin and, and in their failure. He would then offer them hope through God's grace. Um, he would promise them that God would restore them. And so that's what we're going to see here in Hosea. Um, Hosea is representing God to the northern kingdom of Israel. And you know, the kingdom of Israel had been divided 
uh, at some point to where there was a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom, and the northern kingdom was bad to the bone. Um, they uh, they were they really always were worshiping idols, and they were really never faithful to worshiping Yahweh, the God of Israel and the God of the Bible, uh, the God who is the Father of Jesus Christ. And so that's who he is talking to. And so here is the story of Hosea. The story of Hosea is that God calls this prophet Hosea to marry a prostitute named Gomer, uh, which sounds like a crazy story, right? And it's a real story. Like uh, Hosea was a real person. Gomer was a real person. Um, but uh, there's also a story going on uh, in this book that's really the story of Hosea, uh, sorry, the story of God and Israel. Um, because Israel, in, in essence, what God is saying is that Israel has functioned like a prostitute, like an unfaithful wife uh, to God. Um, they have constantly cheated on God. And so uh, Hosea is, is going to be operating at two levels. The level of the story of Hosea and Gomer, a real couple, where Gomer is horribly unfaithful and adulterous. Uh, that's one level of story. But the other story, level of story is going to be God and his people, Israel, um, which we can translate to us and our relationship with God. Um, we, are, we are Israel. We are the people of God here. So with that being said, we're going to get into Hosea chapter 1, and I'm going to read through it, and uh, I'm just going to tell you a, a little bit of the story here, because it's, it's, it's very narrative-like, it's very story-like uh, in this first chapter, and it sets the stage for the rest of the book. So starting in Hosea 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel. And when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So first off, you can see that it starts out saying the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, So, and it tells when. So this tells us that Hosea is a real person, a real person who lived in history. Uh, and it's telling us about the term of his, prof, uh, his role as a prophet in Israel. But then you see that God tells Hosea to go uh, take a wife who's a prostitute and have children with her. Uh, and then he shows that that's, you know, he, that's one level of the story. But then he says, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. He shows that that's the second level of the story uh, between God and Israel. Uh, by the way, I know this is a lot of kind of academic, historical kind of information, but I promise we're going to get to something that's going to be relevant to your life. Um, so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblium, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now, one thing to note is, is in these next few verses, God's going to give names for these children, and the names of the children are going to be important. So verse 4, And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. So the Jezreel... Um, without getting into too much detail, is representative of the worship of Baal. Baal was a false Canaanite god that the Israelites were very tempted to worship. Baal was a fertility god, um, which meant that they believed that Baal could bring them uh, financial success and farming, could bring them children. Um, Baal was representative of sexuality. So basically, Baal was an idol of money, of uh, of sex and a money of children, or, or sorry, and, and an idol of children. And so um, basically 
uh, this first child is kind of representative of the adulterous and idolatrous worship of a false god before the Lord. Verse 6, she again conceived and bore a daughter, and the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I will have no mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I'll have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the, by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. Wow, now this is hard, right? This is not language we really are accustomed to hearing from God to say no mercy. It sounds kind of cruel to name a baby that. What this is representative, though, is that this this child um, was born and conceived by someone who is not Hosea. Uh, so basically, Gomer had an affair and got pregnant um, by another man. And so that's part of what this represents. Verse 8, it says, When she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. So again, this is another child that Gomer has had. Um, who is the Hosea is not the father, another illegitimate child. And so a couple of things to just to demonstrate here is um, just the nature of our sin. The nature of our sin against God is adultery. It's like a husband cheating on a wife or a boyfriend cheating on a girlfriend um, or vice versa. And you know, that's, you can think about how hurtful that is. Can you think of anything more hurtful um, than your boyfriend or your girlfriend cheating on you? Right. It feels like total betrayal, it's so hurtful. Well, that is how um, that is how God likens um, our sin uh, against Him. That's how God is a real person. He's a real God, and so our sin genuinely hurts Him, uh, and He genuinely experiences all of experiences all of our sin as the betrayal of cheating or adultery. Um, now, this point of this is meant to convict Israel and to show Israel the self-destructive and damaging nature of their sin um, so that they'll turn to the Lord. And, and, and Hosea does not leave uh, the people just convicted in their sin. The rest of this, this chapter, these final two verses, close with a word of grace um, uh, of God's, and a word of God's unconditional love. So verse 10, it says, Yet the number of children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. This is really important because what he's doing here is he's referencing back to the Abrahamic covenant, which is an unconditional covenant where God says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be in relationship with you forever. And you, basically you can't blow it. And so God remembers that covenant. And that's the basis by which he says, hey, even though you've cheated on me, I'm going to take you back and I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to stay married to you in relationship. And so for us as a Christian, the covenant that we hang our hat on is the new covenant. That's the covenant um, that was established through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so no matter how much we cheat on God and no matter how, how much we sin, God always takes us back. Um, and the basis of that forgiveness and mercy is the new covenant that was established through Christ. Um, he comes back and he says, and in the place where it is said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and they shall appoint for themselves one head and they shall go up from the land for great shall be the day of Jezreel. And so, you know, you see that the final word is the word of grace. Um, we, the, he says that they will be children of the living God. And, you know, we as Christians, when you put your faith in Christ, you become an adopted child of God. Um, and so with that being said, 
uh, just to close things up, remember that no matter how much we blow it, um, and no matter how much we sin because of Christ and the new covenant he's established through the cross and resurrection, God always takes us back. God always wants us back. We're in a marriage relationship with God, and he is never going to turn us away. Um, our sin is damaging. Our sin hurts us. It hurts God emotionally, and our sin uh, hurts our relationship with the Lord, but his grace and mercy is always there. So that's all we have here for Hosea chapter 1. I hope you have a great day, and I hope you remember that the gospel means that Jesus carries the burden of your life.